Great job, choir, musicians, uh, Rick and Hamp. And um, I love to see that all these musicians are not only gifted in one way, but they're, multi- they're able to multitask. Sharon's able to slip right over and direct. We also found out uh, today that um, laryngitis doesn't keep you from playing the trumpet. Because uh, Hamp's got laryngitis, he couldn't talk, but he sure could play, couldn't he? Well, great job again. Thank you all. Thank you. Well, today's a significant day as uh, we have made our stewardship commitment. And again, I want to commend our leadership uh, for making that commitment early so that we could say from our leadership core, uh, we have 100% participation in our our giving uh, for next year. And I'm hoping that by the end of this year, uh, from November and December now, that as we're challenged in the next few weeks with this uh, living faithfully and giving generously a theme for our budget, uh, that others of us will join in. Others of you will join in and, um, and give for the end of this year because right now we're running about three weeks behind on our budget giving. Uh, we kept the budget the same this past year from the last year, this year, 2014, going forward. We didn't want to go backward in the budget, even though we're not meeting it about three weeks behind, but we felt like 1.625 was where we needed to be. So we had to do some creative changing around in a few categories to be able to do what we want to do ministry-wise. So as we talk about uh, committing to and overwhelmingly approve that financial plan of ministry, here's what we're making a commitment to. That that budget, a financial plan of ministry, represents the money that will fill the vision or provide the means for seeing that the vision that we have for ministry throughout the life of our church is fulfilled. And we'll do that in several ways. Uh, We will continue to invest in sharing the gospel uh, with those in our world, our nation, and our community. We'll do that through the cooperative program, through associational givings. We want to do it around the world and also around the nation and also around the corner. Uh, we continue to support God's storehouse that helps people when they're in need and Christy uh, Gunnell's uh, Inside Out Ministry. And uh, we support that in the budget as well as then a couple of times a year with some other things at school drive and uh, Christmas times as well. Uh, and all other things that help reach out to our community. Uh, last Sunday night we had a fantastic turnout for Night in the Boondocks out at uh, the Equestrian Center. Had a great time. And so many of you use that as an opportunity to invite friends and um, family members and neighbors to come and be a part of that. And that, that, you know, is a part also, not just providing something for us as a church family to experience and have a good time with, but also to invite people to a non-threatening experience to see the life of the church at work. Also included in the budget is that we want to encourage our family of faith, that's the membership here at Spring Valley and those who visit with us on a regular basis, uh, to grow on the spiritual maturity. Uh, through participation in the life of Spring Valley Baptist Church and through uh, discipling groups. And we also want to strengthen family. And uh, we, we are making a, a concerted effort of doing that, a family ministry, and we're staffed for doing that. And I think that's something that we do very well. We also want to continue through uh, media ministries and through uh, the wonderful music ministry that we have in the life of our church to communicate the beauty and the imagination and the emotion of this awesome God that we serve and that we worship. And we also want to invest in the necessary resources to minister to a greater percentage of Northeast Columbia people. And want to do that by maintaining our campus and our buildings and to support the pastoral ministries uh, of our ministry and our support staff. So we've got a challenge before us. I'm hoping that it's twofold. That one, 
that those of you who are giving faithfully will continue to do so through the end of the year and in the next year. And that those of you who might not be participating, you might not be giving for various reasons, that you will catch that vision and you will begin giving and tithing. So by the end of December we will have met our budget and that means more money will go to missions and that means there are more opportunities that we will have to be able to do ministry because of your giving. It's fueled that way. So uh, the question is then, how are we going to meet this financial challenge? Well, I'm reminded of a pastor who stood before his congregation one day, and he said to them, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He said, first, the good news is that the church has all the money that we need. Everybody liked to hear that. Then he said, the bad news is it's still in your pocket. <laughs> That's true for us today, isn't it? So how will we meet this challenge of our budget? our financial plan for ministry, and at the same time grow spiritually as we are obedient to what God calls us to do in His Word about our money. It's only by giving of our money in a way that pleases God that we can do all of that. Grow spiritually, be obedient to God, deepen our faith, and give the way God wants us to give so that we can perform our ministry that this community so desperately needs. Many different passages of Scripture that uh, I could have chosen, and we're going to look at the same topic for the next two Sundays. Uh, so if you miss it today, you, you, you have two other topics, two chances to hear me on this same topic. But I just want us to look at some words of wisdom out of Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, that's words of wisdom that God inspired to be written. And we might have some trouble with it. In fact, if we were writing it, I don't think we would have the same thing to say. One man gives freely and gains even more. And a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And what it says, and, and another withholds unduly but comes to poverty, I think we would probably say that one who holds it uh, adds to his riches. Well, that's not the wisdom of God. God is saying here, as you live faithfully and you give generously, then you're going to be blessed. You're going to receive blessings back from God. And that's the whole idea about generosity. It's the foundation of a life that pleases God. You see, the lack of generosity uh, is a very good indicator of our spiritual condition. When we practice generosity, that too is a good indicator of our spiritual condition. So, I want to look at three reasons why we should be generous based upon this wisdom literature. First of all, Generosity is necessary for us to become spiritually mature. Now, you might think that statement's strong. You might even think that it's wrong. Uh, you know, I get strong as I pray and as I read my Bible and I attend Bible study. And I can study online. I can watch all kinds of people uh, preaching and teaching God's Word on television or online. And, you know, I don't have to be generous and give money to grow to maturity. Well, that's not what God says. God tells us that generosity is and always will be one of the genuine character traits of a mature follower of Jesus Christ. 
If you go back into the New Testament, uh, particularly there early in the book of Acts, and you see the origin of the church, you will find that they were a people who practiced generosity to the extreme. They were willing to sell what they had so that they could give and meet the needs of orphans and widows and other people who were less privileged in their community. And that response of generosity was so counterculture to the culture in which they lived that the people around them knew that they were authentic followers of Christ. And the church grew. What does that mean? It reached those people. They were influenced by that generosity. And they became a part of that church to the extent that day by day God was adding many, many people to that body of Christ. I think we need to go back and recapture that spirit of generosity because, quite frankly, I think we've lost that spirit of generosity in our culture today. We are taught to get all you can, make all you can, save all you can, hold on to all that you can. And God's Word teaches us something completely different than that. Randy Alcorn uh, talks a lot about stewardship, and he's written a a neat little book, The, the, The Treasure Principle. Now, this is a statement he makes very plainly. You've heard it in other ways and other places, but listen to it again. If Christ is not Lord over our money and possessions, then He is not our Lord. You catch that? If Christ is not Lord over our money and possessions, then He is not our Lord. And Alcorn goes on to say, I have never seen a mature Christian who was also not a mature steward, because giving is a part of growing. If you really want to measure whether you're maturing as a follower of Christ, look at your, look at your spirit of generosity and what you're giving. Uh, if those of you in here follow uh, Open Windows, our daily devotion for Southern Baptists, uh, I believe this morning I read early, beginning to, to lose that memory thought from earlier this morning, but I think it was the story of Martin Luther and then the death of his daughter. Well, it got me thinking about uh, many, many years ago, 500 or so back when, when Martin Luther was preaching and speaking and came about with the Reformation movement and discovered uh, that he needed to share with people that it's by grace that we're saved and that salvation comes through grace. That he talked about the concept of the third conversion. First he said was the conversion that takes place in the mind when we make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Then he said the second conversion occurs in the heart when a passion for Christ takes over our life. Then he said the third conversion takes place, hold on to your seats, in your pocketbook. Because transformation will truly have happened when your finances reflect the priority of God. You might be familiar with the name Larry Burkett, the Christian financial planner, uh, organized Crown Ministries, and he died several years ago. But uh, in some of his writing, he said that, that our, as believers, church people, our pattern of giving is that of non-Christians. We don't give any more to, to charitable causes than non-Christians do. And he also pointed out something very significant, and that is that when a giver in the life of a church over, over age 60 dies or moves away, 
It takes two people under the age of 40 to replace them. See, your generosity with your time, your money, and your talent reveals your maturity level. A lack of giving in any of those areas shows immaturity. We never grow through disobedience. We always grow through obedience. See, our attitude about money either reveals maturity and gratitude and trust, or it reveals immaturity and a lack of faith. So we want to challenge you to be generous. Live faithfully and give generously. And I believe if you live faithfully, depending upon God, building that relationship, growing in that relationship with Christ, then you'll be able to give generously. That's just the way God works in your life. Second reason we need to be generous. Generosity allows us to overcome our selfish nature. See, most of us are selfish by nature. We don't like to say that. We like to say other words, well, I'm frugal. You know, I, got, I want to be careful about how I give my money. Well, let me, uh, let, let's see this. Let's see show, show hands on this. How many of you have been to a Major League Baseball game and have either caught or ran down a foul ball or caught a home run hit by somebody? How many of you have done that? We got a few here. Anybody in the choir? Yep, got one there. Yep. What'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? I think the Cubs fans are the ones that started when an opposing player hits a team, from, a player from the opposing team hits a home run. What do they do? They take the ball and they throw it back. I tell you what, if I was out there and I caught one of those balls, there's no way in this world I'm throwing it back. I'm keeping it. But if you're fortunate enough to catch one of those, Allison Kelly Horton was telling me today that she caught a home run by Dave Winfield. Some of you don't even remember Dave Winfield, but some of us who are older, we remember it. You know? I want you to watch this clip. I saw it this summer, and we've saved it to show it for generosity. Here is a spirit of generosity from two children. Now these Toronto fans. Encarnacion drives this down the right field line, but it is headed foul. Watch the boys. Well, give it back. Oh, what you take? Oh, hey, what do we got? Now watch. Yeah. He gave it to him. He did. I didn't think the big kid was going to get. How about that? Is that not an act of generosity? Huh? You see what happened? The guy that got it gave it to the other kid, and he was so away. No, you take it back. He said, No, I want you to have it. And then the boy rejoiced. The one who gave it away was the one who was rejoicing. Hey, with his hands up and not the kid that got the ball. You know, if you don't work in Bible school, you need to do that. Or take one day during the week of Bible school and watch our children come with their offering. They put us all to shame. They are so ready and eager and willing to bring that offering and be generous that they want to motivate all of us to hilarious giving. You see, what's amazing about that video is that somehow... At least the one boy um, had, had avoided what's going on in our culture today. Because in our culture today, we are taught to be selfish and to hoard and, and, and to keep what we have and not share it. But by nature, the concept of generosity tells us that we should go against that nature of self-preservation. I think we'd all like to have a reputation of generosity. We just like to buy it cheaply. It doesn't come that way. We have to learn to be generous. The, 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 the battle to be generous is a spiritual battle. If you have difficulty uh, making a stewardship commitment and giving to, to the church, giving to God's church as your storehouse for the tithe, 
Now, you've got a spiritual problem. It's not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. And what you're showing is the signs of the, our culture today. And that is that we're taught to be hoarders by nature. You've all seen the, the self-storage buildings that are around. They're growing like crazy. About 1.9 billion square feet. Uh, over 40,000 of them around. One out of every homeowner also has a self-storage space rented. They keep stuff in that they don't need in their house or don't have room for it. Why? Well, we've all been taught, get all you can, keep all you can, and the one who dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus taught something completely the opposite. Jesus taught to get what you need and give away all that you can. And that's so contrary to our nature. See, we're born with that sense of self-preservation that we want to give up anything. See, generous giving is not just necessarily about giving money. But it's about being a transmitter of God's grace to the community and to the world around us. We hold on to our money because we think money promises us things like uh, security and significance and identity and independence and power and freedom. And the reality is only God gives us those things. We find all of that only in a relationship with God. Now, if we use common sense, and somebody said common sense isn't all that common anymore, we would probably deduce that, that church people, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, ought to have a real good handle on how to handle money. But you know what? The opposite is true. The opposite is true. The average Christian today only gives 2.5% of his or her income to the kingdom of God. In America, only 2.38% of all born-again adults give 10% of their income. We know, at least in Spring Valley Baptist Church last year, that at least 38% of our resident membership gave nothing to support the life and ministry of Spring Valley Baptist Church. And recent figures have told us that only 21% of American Christians volunteered at any time in a church in a week's time. In the traditional service at 845, we sang a great hymn, Serve the Lord with Gladness. And everybody was singing it. But not everybody volunteers time. Not everybody gives as well. So generosity is something we have to grow into because of our faith in Christ. Okay? Now, here's the third reason we need to give generously. And that's because generosity is blessed generously. See, that's the wisdom that God gives us, particularly in this Scripture for today. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man, a generous man will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, you've heard the old saying, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is might think, well, that applies to this passage of Scripture. That's crazy to think if I give away freely, I'm going to be blessed, well, I'm going to have less. That's not the way God's economics work. See, the principle is what Jesus taught. He said things like this, the man who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
And in Luke 6.38 he says, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you notice how that works? We give to God first out of faith, and then God promises to bless us. Now we say, okay, that sounds pretty good, but you go first, God. You go first, and then I'll do my part. What, you, what, what you're forgetting is that God has already gone first. Look around. He created this beautiful world for us. He created us to put us in this world so that we could manage it for His glory and have a relationship with Him. He has provided everything that we need, physical, spiritual, and material blessings. He also provided His Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and gave His life for our sins so that we could be forgiven and have that relationship with God. God has already gone first. He's given it to you. Now, He asks you to be generous. If you're a person of faith, then be generous and give back to Him, trusting that God will bless you and meet your needs. It's a challenge He gives to us in Matthew, Malachi 3.10. Where he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. See, that's God's promise. That's God's words. That's His economy. That's how it works. Let's clarify that. Tithing is giving back to God 10%. That's not really being generous. We become generous when we give above the 10%. Right now is a challenge to get most of you up to that level of 10% giving, which is the tithe and trusting God. You want to know why so many of you are not receiving spiritual blessings? I just take the Word of God. It's because you aren't faithful and obedient with the tithe. God promises that He will bless you. But you have to trust that. And it has to be a faith that trust that puts you in action, that you're willing to give him that 10% and then let the, let the blessings come in. we got a short video that affirms that. Imagine this bucket of water is your financial situation. Each one of us will face different choices concerning our finances throughout our lives. Some of us may be struggling to keep our heads above water as we face debt at every turn. Others may be right on the line with no margin for error, and still others may have even managed to put some money into savings. Oftentimes we allow these financial situations to order our giving for us. We give when we have plenty and hold back when times are tough. The book of Proverbs gives us a powerful truth when we view our giving based upon our bank statements. Proverbs 11.24 says that if we withhold what we should give, we will only suffer more want. Our first inclination when we hear this is to say that it cannot be true, that if we hang on to all our money, we will have that much more money to pay our bills. But the Bible doesn't concede this point. In fact, it tells us that only when we give freely, not hoarding our money, will we grow richer. By giving, we will end up with plenty, and if we try and keep it all, we end up not having what we need. What a paradox, and what a powerful motivation to give at the same time. Do you trust this promise? Do you believe that God rewards those who give in any circumstance? This is the one area where God tells us to test Him, and it's the one area very few of us actually do. 
We test his mercy as we run off like the prodigal son, only to find that he welcomes us back with open arms when we repent. And we are willing to test his patience with our habitual sins, again to find that he is slow to anger. So why not test his generosity and see if he does not fulfill our every need just as he promises? That short video is a powerful motivator because it's based on the Word of God. And the challenge for us is to live faithfully. We are people of faith. Our relationship with God is all by faith. Our salvation is by faith through the grace of God. That we live faithfully. And then as a result of that, we give generously. So I'm asking you to pray about your giving for the next two months in the life of this church. And then on into 2015. So that you will be faithful and obedient and you will grow. And this church will be blessed as God blesses you. He'll bless the church. And we'll be able to do more ministry for His glory. It's not about money. But if you're fortunate enough to catch one of those, Allison Kelly Horton was telling me today that she caught a home run by Dave Winfield. Some of you don't even remember Dave Winfield, but some of us who are older, we remember him. You know? I want you to watch this clip. I saw it this summer, and we've saved it to show it for generosity. Here is a spirit of generosity from two children. Now these Toronto fans. And Canacion drives this down the right field line, but it is headed foul. Watch the boys. Well, you give it back. Oh, what you take? What, hey, what do we got? Now watch. Yeah! He gave it to him. He did. I didn't think the big kid was going to get How about that? Is that not an act of generosity? Huh? You see what happened? The guy that got it gave it to the other kid, and he was so away. No, you take it back. He said, no, I want you to have it. And then the boy rejoiced. The one who gave it away was the one who was rejoicing. Hey, with his hands up and not the kid that got the ball. You know, if you don't work in Bible school, you need to do that. Or take one day during the week of Bible school and watch our children come with their offering. They put us all to shame. They are so ready and eager and willing to bring that offering and be generous that they want to motivate all of us to hilarious giving. You see, what's amazing about that video is that somehow, at least the one boy, um, had avoided what's going on in our culture today. Because in our culture today... We are taught to be selfish and to hoard and, and, and to keep what we have and not share it. But by nature, the concept of generosity tells us that we should go against that nature of self-preservation. I think we'd all like to have a reputation of generosity. We just like to buy it cheaply. It doesn't come that way. We have to learn to be generous. The, 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 the battle to be generous is a spiritual battle. If you have difficulty uh, making a stewardship commitment and giving to, to the church, giving to God's church as your storehouse for the tithe, then you've got a spiritual problem. It's not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. Uh, and what you're showing is the signs of the, our culture today, and that is that we're taught to be hoarders by nature. You've all seen the, the self-storage buildings that are around. They're growing like crazy, about 1.9 billion square feet. Uh, over 40,000 of them around. One out of every homeowner also has a self-storage space rented. They keep stuff in. 
that they don't need in their house or don't have room for it. Why? Well, we've all been taught, get all you can, keep all you can, and the one who dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus taught something completely the opposite. Jesus taught to get what you need and give away all that you can. And that's so contrary to our nature. See, we're born with that sense of self-preservation that we want to give up anything. See, generous giving is not just necessarily about giving money, but it's about being a transmitter of God's grace to the community and to the world around us. We hold on to our money because we think money promises us things like uh, security and significance and identity and independence and power and freedom. And the reality is only God gives us those things. We find all of that only in a relationship with God. Now, if we use common sense, and somebody said common sense isn't all that common anymore, we would probably deduce that that church people, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, ought to have a real good handle on how to handle money. But you know what? The opposite is true. The opposite is true. The average Christian today only gives 2.5% of his or her income to the kingdom of God. In America, only 2.38% of all born-again adults give 10% of their income. We know, at least in Spring Valley Baptist Church last year, that at least 38% of our resident membership gave nothing to support the life and ministry of Spring Valley Baptist Church. And recent figures have told us that only 21% of American Christians volunteered at any time in a church in a week's time. In the traditional service at 845, we sang a great hymn, Serve the Lord with Gladness. And everybody was singing it. But not everybody volunteers time. Not everybody gives as well. So generosity is something we have to grow into because of our faith in Christ. Okay? Now, here's the third reason we need to give generously. And that's because generosity is blessed generously. See, that's the wisdom that God gives us, particularly in this scripture for today. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man, a generous man will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, you've heard the old saying, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Might think, well, that applies to this passage of Scripture. That's crazy to think if I give away freely, I'm going to be blessed, well, I'm going to have less. That's not the way God's economics work. See, the principle is what Jesus taught. He said things like this, the man who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And in Luke 6, 38, he says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, you notice how that works? We give to God first out of faith. And then God promises to bless us. Now we say, okay, that sounds pretty good. But you go first, God. You go first and then I'll do my part. 
What, you, what, what you're forgetting is that God has already gone first. Look around. He created this beautiful world for us. He created us to put us in this world so that we could manage it for His glory and have a relationship with Him. He has provided everything that we need, physical, spiritual, and material blessings. He also provided His Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and gave His life for our sins so that we could be forgiven and have that relationship with God. God has already gone first. He's given it to you. Now, He asks you to be generous. If you're a person of faith, then be generous and give back to Him, trusting that God will bless you and meet your needs. It's a challenge he gives to us in Matthew, Malachi 3.10 where he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. See, that's God's promise. That's God's words. That's His economy. That's how it works. Let's clarify that. Tithing is giving back to God 10%. That's not really being generous. We become generous when we give above the 10%. Right now is a challenge to get most of you up to that level of 10% giving, which is the tithe and trusting God. You want to know why so many of you are not receiving spiritual blessings? I just take the Word of God. It's because you aren't faithful and obedient with the tithe. God promises that He will bless you. But you have to trust that. And it has to be a faith that trusts that puts you in action. That you're willing to give him that 10% and then let the the blessings come in. We got a short video that affirms that. Imagine this bucket of water is your financial situation. Each one of us will face different choices concerning our finances throughout our lives. Some of us may be struggling to keep our heads above water as we face debt at every turn. Others may be right on the line with no margin for error. And still others may have even managed to put some money into savings. Oftentimes we allow these financial situations to order our giving for us. We give when we have plenty and hold back when times are tough. The book of Proverbs gives us a powerful truth when we view our giving based upon our bank statements. Proverbs 11.24 says that if we withhold what we should give, we will only suffer more want. Our first inclination when we hear this is to say that it cannot be true. That if we hang on to all our money, we will have that much more money to pay our bills. But the Bible doesn't concede this point. In fact, it tells us that only when we give freely, not hoarding our money, will we grow richer. By giving, we will end up with plenty. And if we try and keep it all, we end up not having what we need. What a paradox, and what a powerful motivation to give at the same time. Do you trust this promise? Do you believe that God rewards those who give in any circumstance? This is the one area where God tells us to test Him, and it's the one area very few of us actually do. We test His mercy as we run off like the prodigal son, only to find that He welcomes us back with open arms when we repent. And we are willing to test his patience with our habitual sins, again to find that he is slow to anger. So why not test his generosity and see if he does not fulfill our every need just as he promises? That short video is a powerful motivator. 
because it's based on the Word of God. And the challenge for us is to live faithfully. We are people of faith. Our relationship with God is all by faith. Our salvation is by faith of the grace of God that we live faithfully. And then as a result of that, we give generously. So I'm asking you to pray about your giving for the next two months in the life of this church and then on into 2015 so that you will be faithful and obedient and you will grow. And this church will be blessed as God blesses you. He'll bless the church. And we'll be able to do more ministry for His glory. It's not about money. 